Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. I know Rico prayed already, but I feel like I want to just start with a prayer. Uh, Lord, I want to praise you for the opportunity to um, learn more about you, and I just want to pray that you will... um, Use this time for us all to grow closer to you and to really appreciate you. I pray that in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. So my title of the sermon today is The Light and the Sword, which is a very typical um, title for the sermon just before um, uh, Christmas, isn't it? Um, I felt so so um, embarrassed that I used a title that has been used so many times. Um, So the reason I have such an interesting title is because I want to do something interesting with you today. I want to show you um, things that I feel that I've never been shown um, just before Christmas. I've gone through Christmas so many times uh, thinking uh, that, oh, such a sweet baby, uh, and uh, it's such a cute story, and uh, such a... um, um, wonderful um, fairy tale kind of thing. And that's, that's how I've gone through Christmas many, many times. And I hope that my sermon today will help you not to go through this Christmas in that way. So, um, but many people would say, hey, Ziggy, but what about um, the stable? And what about the, the, the manger? At least you must tell us about Mary and Joseph, and um, it would be great if you add the animals just to make it child-friendly. And uh, <laughs> then what about the wise men? Well, you must tell us about the wise men, and at least the shepherds must um, feature as well. So I will do that. Uh, don't worry. I will, I will get there um, with time. Uh, but before we go there, I would like to hear from you. When you think of Jesus, which image pops up in your mind? So we asked that question uh, on the group, and I got some responses, and thank you very much for those responses. They were really special, and um, you can see the relationship with Jesus in those responses. But for you today, what picture comes to mind? I find that most people, when I ask them about this, they, they either think of... Um, the nativity scene, or they think of the cross. Uh, But you know that if we don't realize, if we don't appreciate who's filling the manger, the whole story is not worth anything. We must realize who it was that ended up in that manger. Because it was not just any baby. And to be able to do that, I went to a um, place which Paul would be very happy about um, (laughs) because he did Revelation last week. I took the easier part. Um, So I want to start working through Revelation, and then we'll go through some other verses, and then we'll get to the the nativity scene. Don't worry. We're going to go to the shepherds at some stage. Okay, great. So uh, the Revelation of 
Jesus Christ. So this is all about Jesus Christ, um, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God, to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads this. I wanted to have a blessing, so I just, I'm just reading. Um, blessed is the one who reads this. Um, the one who reads this. Um, uh, aloud, all right? Uh, so I'm doing it as loud as I can. Um, uh, <laughs> and blessed are those Okay, those, I wanted to bless you as well today. Um, blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it. I, I, I think for everyone that is fearful of revelation, I think we need to think about this text that says it's, it's, it's a blessing to hear about it um, and to keep it. Um, for the time is near. Great. So, um, when we look at that word over there, God, that is theos, and the other God is also theos, I will show you just now why that is important. All right. So, John, to the seven churches. Now, seven is a complete number, so it actually refers to all the churches. So, John, to all the churches, grace and peace from him who is, who was, and who is to come. Who would you think is that? So some people would say it's Jesus. Yeah, I would, I would so some people would say it's Jesus. Let's, see, let's carry on. And from the seven spirits, who would you think is that? The seven spirits who are before the throne. And from Jesus... You see there are two ands there, so it should be three individuals. Um, so I think it's God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and Jesus. So this message is from all three. Um, so Jesus is referred to as the faithful witness. So he gives us witness about himself. He gives us witness about God. He, he gives us a message that we can grow with. Um, and that's very significant as we look at him um, further just now. He's the firstborn of the dead, so he made it possible for us to also raise from the dead. Um, and he's the ruler of the kings of the earth, so he rules over everything. He's faithful in the message he gives. He's um, powerful over everything, even death. And he is the one that rules to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, a priest to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. 
It's a very different Jesus to the baby in the manger. It's a Jesus that is powerful, a Jesus that has got all the power, a Jesus that will make those that don't accept him wail when he comes again. A powerful God. Now, when we look at the word there, God is theos. When we look at that word down there, it's kuros. So interesting in this text, two words for God used. The one, I think, is intentionally referring to God the Father and the other one to Christ. Because Christ says here about himself, he is the almighty. He, he refers to himself in the same way as God the Father is referred to earlier in this text, who is and was and who is to come. He refers to himself as this, but he refers to himself in another way which we often skim over and we don't realize the significance of. He says he's the Alpha. Now, Alpha is the first letter in the alphabet. Alpha. In, the, in this text, when he was speaking, he would probably be speaking uh, in a language that John would understand, a language that John would be comfortable with, the language that they would normally have spoken to each other. And then he would have said, I am the Aleph, because Aleph is the first letter in the Hebrew um, alphabet, Aleph. And I am the Omega, which in the Hebrew alphabet, the last letter is Tav. Now, the interesting thing about this is the original pictures, when, when you look at, at these two letters, the Aleph is, is an ox head, which represents power. And the Tav, the first picture they had for that was two sticks laid on each other. He's the power in the cross. Now, Jesus says that he was around from the beginning. And I, I just want to show you how true that is. If we look at the first verse in the Bible, we see in the center of the first verse, because the, the, the Hebrews always put in the center the most important thing. In the first verse of the Bible, in the center of the first verse are these two letters that nobody knows what to do with. Apparently, there are some, were some uh, rabbis that, that spent their whole life trying to figure out why there is everywhere in the Old Testament this Aleph and Taf. You see, it's when translated, that letter is not even translated. Because nobody knows what to do with it. And yet it's in the center of the first verse. You see, Christ was always there. And he was always the center. From the beginning, even in our word. I, John, your brother and partner. So John was a brother and partner um, in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Christ Jesus. 
that are in Jesus. You see, when we follow Jesus, there will be tribulation. When we follow Jesus, there is a kingdom that is coming, and there is a requirement from us to be patient and endure until the day that he's revealed. Um, I was on the, uh, the Isle of Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the day of the Lord, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying. It's so amazing. When, when he refers to Christ's voice, it's not just a voice. It's a voice that is so loud that it feels like it's a trumpet. Later we'll read, it, it sounds like rushing waters um, as we look at how Christ speaks to him. Write what you've seen in the book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamon, to Theatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia and Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and in turning I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. I feel like he tries to explain how white this is, and he's struggling. Yeah, so it's like white, white, white wool, no, snow. I can't really find the right word yet, but it was very white. Um, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. Now, the first time, I don't know about you, when I read this, I thought, whoo, that's scary. Um, but I, it is very significant um, to notice that there's a light shining from him. His feet were like burnished, burnished um, bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In the right hand he held seven stars, and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. A sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. So twice we have light radiating from him, from his eyes, from his face. And, and then we have that whole thing about a two-edged sword coming out of his mouth. And this is scary stuff, but I think it's very significant stuff that we often read over and think, oh, wow, no, oh, wow, okay. Um, so let's have a little uh, look at the first John and what we hear there. In first John, it, it reads, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So Christ is called the Word. In Ephesians 6, we read that the, the Word is the sword of the Spirit. We should take up the sword. In Hebrews 4 verse 4, uh, 12, we read, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing um, to the division of soul and spirit, 
of joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You see, when Christ speaks, his, his speaking is so powerful that it divides the things that we don't even know can be divided. It divides the things that, that we can't even imagine being divided. But it divides it. And it cuts it open and lays it bare so that we can see the truth. That's what Christ does. That's what our God does. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not overcome it. So the darkness couldn't have a hold on this light that comes from Christ. And we're supposed to be that light and allow that light to shine through us. If this Christmas season doesn't um, excite us enough that the light of Christ can shine through us, then we might not realize who is in the manger. You are the light of the world. A city cell uh, set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Then it continues. John says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. This picture of Christ was so amazing that the only thing John could do is fall like dead. Have you ever been so amazed with God, with Christ, that you feel like I could just die now? <laughs> have you ever been there? I don't think we have. But that is actually the correct response. The response when we truly see the glorified Christ, that we feel like, who am I that you even consider me? That I can even be close to you and praise you for making that possible when you went into that manger. But when John was down there, Christ um, continued, uh, but he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not, I am the first and the last. There we have that theme again. And the living one, I died and behold, I am alive furthermore and have the keys of death and Hades. Write there for the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Now all the guys that, um, that are in my Bible study uh, are rejoicing because I'm, I'm leaving Revelation. Um, I think some of them were afraid I'm going to go through the whole of Revelation 
because we did that once in a Bible study and everyone is traumatized afterwards. Uh, so <laughs> guys, I'm done with Revelation. All right, great. The next text I want us to look at is Philippians 2, verse 5 to 11. In Philippians 2, verse 5 to 11, we see the whole cycle. Um, so let me just read it because I can't do it better than that. Have this mind among yourselves, which uh, is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count um, equality with God a thing to be grasped, to be holding on to, but emptied himself. So he emptied himself um, by taking the form of a servant born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Christ Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of, the, of God the Father. You see, for me, it's, it, it's this picture. We look at Christ, and there's three main ways we can look at Christ. We can see him in the manger as the baby. We can see him on the cross as the suffering God. We can see him glorified. The irony is that most Christians see him in a temporary state, not in his permanent state. When we think of Christ, we should think of him glorified and powerful, a being that is so amazing that when we come into his presence, without his grace, we would fall down as though dead. That is the one that is in the manger. When we look at the story of, of this whole uh, Christmas season, we, we see people getting messages. In Luke 1, verse uh, 11 to 20, we read about Gabriel and uh, Zechariah, where he heard the message and he said, hey, but my wife was old, eh? And I don't think this is going to happen. And he lost his ability to speak. May we not be like that. May we not hear the message about Christ and then say, hey, but this is not happening and that's not happening. This is not possible. I am too shy. Let's not lose our voice because we can't believe what God wants to do in our lives. Let's be like Mary who when she got the message, she also struggled to understand how on earth is this going to happen because I don't know of, I don't know. <laughs> and then Gabriel explained it to her and she said, shop, this is good, let's do this. Okay, and, and, and then she immediately walked to her, uh, her, is it her cousin, aunt? Her cousin, yeah, her cousin, hey. Thank you for that. Um, 
and, and, and she had this experience where uh, her cousin's child was rejoicing about Christ within her. She couldn't wait to show Christ to the world. She was so excited. She had to go see the person that has experienced this wonder already. And then the angel spoke to Joseph. And Joseph also decided, okay, I'll be playing a role in this whole thing. And he did what he had to do. Let's start with the story that everyone expects us to to read today. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor in Syria. And all went to be registered, each in his own town. And Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord, which is interestingly the same um, word that we saw in in Revelation. The glory of the Lord, the glory of Christ, I think, shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. And great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, which is the same word again. Isn't it amazing that the glory of Christ was shining all around the angels? And that glory of Christ caused fear in the shepherds. And they were told not to be fearful. It's natural to be fearful of something that is so glorious, so amazing. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that was happened. You see, they got the message and then they went. And this is how we should respond. When we see the glory of Christ, we should go. We should go see it. We should go to find it. Because sharing Christ out there recreates all of this 
over here. And, um, mm -hmm. and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. So they were sharing it. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. So I think it's important to note that they didn't only tell Mary and Joseph. All who heard it. Otherwise, the Bible would have said, Mary and Joseph were astonished. All who heard it. Everyone they found, they told. They were so excited. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And may that be the truth for us too. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of the eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. I want to conclude with this section. In Philippians 2, verse 12 to 16. This follows after that whole cycle where, where we read about Christ laying everything down, emptying himself, becoming um, humble enough to die on the cross and then be raised again, glorified by his Father. It says, therefore, because of this, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence. Work out your salvation. Let it go out. Let it be outside of you with fear and trembling because you know who does it. For it is God who works in you. Both to will and to work for his good pleasure. That God is once again curious. It's Christ. So Christ works it out in us. And, and, and we should be having this fear and trembling, but be amazed while we have it. Do all things without grumbling and disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God, without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. And whom, among whom you shine as lights in the world, beholding fast the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that it did not run in vain or labor in vain. Let's take up his sword and shine his light of life into the world. Let's pray. Lord, I praise you that you are so glorious, that you are so amazing, so amazing that we can only fall down as if dead when we're in your presence. I pray that you will work on our hearts, that we will never forget that, Lord, and that when we look at this, um, this picture of you in a manger, that we will remember how powerful and awesome you are and what you've given up to be able to be that baby. 
And that when we look at that baby, we don't feel pity or cuddly, but we, we see the amazing power, the amazing grace. I praise you for that grace and pray that your light will shine out of us and that you will use your word to cut open and show and heal and grow. I pray that in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. This is Rico Vecca, and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.